This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I am uh, remote right now. We got to get this podcast out and uh, we are not in the same room. We're not. You're in Kokomo Studios. I I am in Kokomo Studios. You're in a lab with a pen and a pad. Yeah, trying to get this darn podcast off. (laughs) That's the PG version. (laughs) You know, I think I think here's the thing. I'm super excited about today's guest. We've got Hands Fast. Little thing about Hands Fast, and I'll, I'll let you. So, the company's Fastmark. Right? That's right. That right. That's right. Fastmark. Hands Fast is a developer. He's 27 years old. Thing about Hands Fast is he could go into a coma for the next 10 years and still be a young developer when he wakes up. <laughs> and, st- and still be ahead of the curve. Exactly. This guy's it's incredible. And I, we've talked about him on the show before, but young guy, incredibly hungry, taking the real estate world by storm. Hands fast is our, our uh, guest today. And I am super excited to have him on the show. And you know, something I want to mention, I think we mentioned Hans's name on the show last week. And more than one person has reached out to me and said, hey, you're having Hans fast on the show. Phenomenal volleyball player. Apparently, he was well-known in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Well-known in the city, uh, I guess, as a high school student, I guess. Apparently, twin twin brother, both of them were amazing volleyball players. I've heard that more than once. So, uh, Wow. So he's a very accomplished, a very accomplished guy. Well, you know what? It goes hand-in-hand with our theory that really, really great athletes, men and women, go on to be great entrepreneurs in many cases. And they often are are really dominant in the real estate world, which doesn't really explain your hockey career. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we're, we, don't, we don't fall in this category, but you have the other theory too, right? And I don't think it's your theory, but basically great athletes make great entrepreneurs and really tall people do better in life. Yes. Yeah. No, that's actually a study though. You know, I don't have the, uh, I don't actually have the study in front of me, but there's something related to height and income. There really is. Look it up. You heard it here first, folks. So, <laughs> so what else do we got before we uh, we cut to our talk with Hans Fast, founder and principal over at Fastmark Development Company? Well, a couple things, Matt. Before we get to that, I want to mention to everybody the speculation tax is due on March thirty first. That's coming up. Oh, I right. was just actually reminded about that from my property one uh, property manager of ours who mentioned that. Um, I should change my address on a revenue property. So that was sound advice from him. I think you can actually call the province, though, if I'm not mistaken, and um, make sure that everything's good with your folio number and your declaration and everything else. So make sure you do that before March 31st because it's a pain in the butt if you don't. The other thing I was going to mention is we we purchased the property at the end of last year, a one-bedroom in Mount Pleasant, and uh, it has been uh, fully renovated. So this was a little bit about this place. It was a uh, heavily smoked in original condition to the, you know, to the seventies, eighties, really, really bad shape, but a fantastic floor plan with a really great exposure and a great building. Yeah. And a great building. And we ended up completing on that right around Christmas of last year. So it's been an interesting time. We've done some renovations over the course of COVID, but this was an odd one because we've just decided we didn't want to use any materials that were not in stock or readily available just for timelines. So it's been a it's been an interesting, slightly challenging project, but it is coming to market next week. So that's not really a plug for the property itself. It's more so a plug for our Instagram because one thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna head over there and post some before and after photos and uh, show off the unit a bit and even maybe break down some of the numbers uh, at some point. So if you are interested 
in checking that out. Follow us at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, maybe uh, because we're both not in the studio, we should cut it short today and get to this fantastic conversation with Hands Fast. What do you think? Yeah, I love this one. Hands Fast, it's a name that you're going to be hearing a lot more of, I think, in the city of Vancouver in years to come. Super exciting. Great to have him on the program. Enjoy. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by Hawkeye Wealth. Yeah, past guest fan favorite Justin Smith and his team. Fantastic guy, Justin Smith over at Hawkeye Wealth. Hawkeye helps their clients invest in various private real estate investments, such as residential and industrial development projects with an aim to diversify their portfolios and achieve better risk-adjusted returns than they would find elsewhere. Yes. You, you, you really dragged on that elsewhere. Elsewhere, yeah. <laughs> well, always when I think of Justin, I think big network, great due diligence, and a deal finder. If you're interested in learning more of what they're doing over at Hawkeye Wealth and the opportunities that become available, head over to hawkeyewealth.com. That is hawkeyewealth.com. I finally got it. Hawkeye, like he's a, he's a deal finder. He finds the deals. That's hawkeyewealth.com. Thanks, Justin and the team. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. Okay, so we're here with Hans Fast, founder and principal of Fastmark Development Corp. How you doing, Hans? Doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time, Hans. And we got to say, this is the first time we've had somebody in the studio, in Kokomo Studios for... A while. For a long time. Yeah. And uh, and also with the new mic arms, which we're all getting used to here. So it's, a very, is... it's a very fancy studio. I'm getting jealous of all these beach pictures and uh, paradise pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like paradise, the way you guys have uh, spruced it up here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going for around here. Make the guests feel like they're in paradise. That's it. That's yeah. it for sure. <laughs> so, so Hans, thanks again for taking the time and coming down. Maybe can we start by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? And, uh, and a little bit about Fastmark. Absolutely. Yeah, so my name is Hans Fast, founder and principal of Fastmark Development Corporation. I like to consider myself one of the rare kinds of local Vancouverites that was born and raised in Vancouver and still in Vancouver. Um, I raised my two kids with my wife here in Vancouver. And yeah, I founded Fastmark Development Corp two years ago, which is a multifamily residential developer that right now focuses on small boutique townhouse projects. Nice. And you have two kids? Yeah, correct. And two how kids. old are your kids? My uh, my oldest kid is turning two in a couple of weeks. Her name <laughs> is Nora. And my uh, youngest kid, is his name is Bo. He's uh, three months old. Three months old. Wow. I was saying to you offline, I thought I was busy, but you're launching two new projects. Also your babies. <laughs> four new projects, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two kids, two townhome development projects that we're excited to talk about. But also, and I don't know if this is um, common knowledge, but you mentioned it before, 28 years old. Yikes. So you're on the fast track. Yes, I'm on the fast track, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, my, I think the entrepreneurial spirit is in my, my blood. My father founded a, a structural engineering firm here in Vancouver called Fastenep. And so I think it's just something that was going into me seeing him um, work on his business since a young age. And uh, it was something that inspired me to do, to do the same as well. So I'm curious, Hans, because something else that came up before we started the started the show here is that you're one of eight kids. One of nine. One of yeah, nine. I have eight, eight siblings. You have eight <laughs> siblings. Good Lord. So, okay. <laughs> Origin story. I was going <laughs> to say, also, you're, you're a fairly unique guy by the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, maybe I'll provide some context. Yeah, I mean, my whole family, they're all born and raised here in Vancouver. And my parents I had nine children. I'm the youngest out of all the out of all the guys. There's yeah. five boys, four girls. I have a younger sister. I also have a twin brother, who an identical twin brother, just to make the story even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> who's also in the building industry. His name is Karsten. 
And yeah, just a big happy family. Everyone still lives here in the Vancouver area. And, wow. Um, yeah, four of my brothers are also in the building industry. So uh, my oldest brother, his name is Paul. He's a partner at a downtown architectural firm called HCMA. And one of my other brothers is an engineer. And my twin brother is a construction manager. And um, so it's all kind of in the blood. <laughs> I was going to say, one of our questions is always, especially when you're starting a new company, is how do you build your team? But it sounds like they're all around there. the dinner table. Built, built <laughs> <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's it's in, in your blood, but can we talk a little bit more about why real estate? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, growing up with a brother that was in architecture, a father and another brother that were in engineering a twin brother that's in construction management. I kind of knew what it was like to do all those things. And I, I had dabbled in, in internships or in jobs like that before. And I just figured it wasn't maybe quite for me. And so I always wanted to have some sort of piece of the pie in the building industry. And so I just, just figured I would give uh, development a shot and had a couple of internships out of uh, university and decided to like it. And I always liked the uh, the business side of the building industry a little bit more. And as you know, in development, you have to wear many hats. You kind of have to be a jack of all trades, which kind of suited my personality as well. So that's how I kind of got into it. So the one thing that strikes me is development is a is a very competitive business, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's a, I feel like you could spend, a lot of people could spend a lifetime watching and trying to sort it out and, and never feeling comfortable enough to pull the trigger. You're a pretty young guy, founder and principal of Fastmark. Can you talk a little bit about kind of where you got the confidence to, mm -hmm. to jump in and, and, and move pretty quick? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, definitely day by day. And uh, some days are scarier than other days, but really my mind was all about building a team. And so, you know, it takes a village to do something, to do something special or anything really. And so really I just relied upon, you know, the network that I already had in terms of on the building side. Um, using good architects for my projects and other consultants on the business side. I also obviously had mentors like like my father and, and other developers that I know of that kind of showed me along the way or were able to point uh, some flaws in my performer that said, no, don't do that or increase that budget or maybe that's too much. And so, and also on the broker side, there are some great brokers that helped me along the way when I was writing deals. And so I was really a community of people that kind of influenced me and I was just taking their guidance and would just spend hours and hours just dissecting every single part, if it was architectural drawings or if it was performers or if it was land use policy, just like dissecting everything. And so that's kind of bit by bit, but every every day is just learning more and trying to build that confidence. It's interesting because when a lot of people you talk to that have a family that seems to be in a in a certain industry, often that can turn people away from that industry. It can have the adverse effect, right? In thinking about real estate, like what do you what do you like about real estate? Yeah, I, mean, I love that it's um, it's a very hot topic in Vancouver. So everyone has an opinion about it. It's not something that uh, no one really knows anything about. Uh, I like to, I have a few friends that are in Calgary and obviously in Alberta, oil and gas is the big thing. And they always tell me, oh, you're from Vancouver, real estate's the big thing. And so it, it's, um, it's a very present topic and it influences all of our lives. Housing is very important. It's a very important issue along with affordability. And so just with how, um, I guess, important of an issue uh, it was in Vancouver and the opportunity that I saw as a developer to make some sort of impact on that was something that kind of enticed me. So I know, and we were talking before we went, we went live here, sounds like your wife's from Germany. Correct. Presumably you're in Germany at, at some point. Yeah, yes. We spent, when we got married, we spent the first year married in Germany. She finished school there and I worked for a large general contractor there. So that's where I got my construction experience. So we lived there for a year, traveled around Europe, had a lot of fun. And once you finished school, the, the plan the whole time was just to come back. I would bring her over to Canada and yeah, to the disappointment of her parents, unfortunately. But we go there every year. In fact, we're going back this summer for a month. And so, but yeah, we we're there for a year. I learned the language, got some experience on that side and brought what I could over here. And is it, so you come back, can we talk a bit about, and the team I think is, is we've talked a little bit about building a team, but you know, you come back, you're like, all right, development is kind of where I want to head. Can we talk about, about the process, about, you know, how you take something that doesn't exist and basically turn it into like you're starting to pre-sell mm -hmm. projects very soon. So can we talk about kind of step-by-step -step finding sites and what a deal looks like 
and and just kind of the get a bit into the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, I'm I'm still um, fairly young developer early in my career, and uh, so in order to find find property to develop, obviously, equity and personal guarantees for financing are extremely important. And I'm no Bitcoin millionaire or anything like that. I'm just, you know, just just your average guy. And so when I found a property that I tied up, it was a single lot. The Canby Corridor is an excellent policy for actually young developers that don't have a huge network or a, or a huge pockets themselves. So they're fairly large lots where you can develop up to eight units, actually. So once I found a couple of properties where the numbers penciled out, then I just did a typical GP LP structure, which is common in the development industry for smaller developers and medium-sized developers that raise equity to finance their projects. And so once the subject removal period was over, then I had already raised enough equity on, on both those both those sites that I had tied up. And that was also enough to uh, get bank financing to uh, get a land loan on the projects. And so, but I was really dissecting the Canby quarter plan figuring out which lots are big enough, which ones are on the market for sale, and then getting an architect to do a quick schematic sketch. And then once the numbers panned out and I had enough time to kind of put together a little uh, proposal for my network of, of financial partners, then I just pitched it to them and they were they were pretty excited about it. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it how it got started about a year ago. And can we talk a little bit about the Canby Corridor? So, so you have two projects. One is, and both named after your, your kids, Correct. which... So Nora and Bo, right around Camby and King Ed, and we can talk specifically more about about these projects. But I'm just wondering about the Camby corridor. So is it? What do you like about the Camby corridor? It sounds like obviously the zoning and the opportunities along that corridor uh, were attractive. But but what do you like about about that area? Yeah, I mean, I I live on the Camby corridor. I work on the Camby corridor, so that was also important to have these be my first two projects that I knew the area well, like personally. Um, and also from a zoning standpoint, so I I bike and live on the Camby Quarter. So that's what I like about it. I mean, the amenities are are so rich. There's lots of activity going on, and obviously, like with Queen Elizabeth Park right in the area, you're right on the skytrain that takes you all the way to to the airport, to Richmond, to downtown, and there's lots of just new activity going along there. It's it's right in the heart of Vancouver, right? Um, and so it's yeah, it's right in the heart of all all the action. So there's just multiple factors that I, that I loved it from a personal standpoint, and also from a business and zoning development standpoint. So you're young, you're taking on two projects that your first projects. What have been some of the biggest hurdles so far? Yeah, I mean, the biggest hurdles have just been all the learning curves. I mean, as I worked for a couple of the larger developers in town previously, getting experience there, which was very helpful. But like in any kind of employee setup, you're kind of just limited to your role as an employee within that company. And I got fantastic experience from from all the people that I worked with at those companies. But once you become an owner, there's a slew of new things that you have to deal with, as you know, yourself running your own uh, real estate business. And so just the learning curves of um, even now putting on, I'm all of a sudden the VP of marketing at Fastmark because it's <laughs> just a one-man show. So I wear many hats. And so uh, I'm the VP or the finance coordinator or admin assistant, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I wear all those hats. And so that's been a big learning curve. Just all the new things you have to do filing, even like taxes for for a business, all these things that any new business owner has to go through has been yeah. a big learning curve. I'm also the janitor at Scalina Real Estate. <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's really unbelievable. And what, like, I guess as a follow-up to that, why make that transition? Like, why start your own development company, you know, changing your role from being comfortable in a development company? Yeah, it just, it was just so enticing. I mean, being uh, the owner of a company and being able to make the decisions the way that or based on the vision that you might have for a certain parcel of land or for a certain development project you want to do. And also on the personal side, having having two kids now, just be, having the flexibility, at least the choice to be more involved in their lives and flexible. Like any business owner will probably say they probably work more hours than they did as an employee, but I'm trying to work that out in the early days. And so we'll see how that goes. But at least the, at least there's an opportunity to be more involved on the family side and also be more flexible and on the on the business side. I think there's probably, you know, a lot of our listeners are are younger people obsessed with real estate as I, I'm sure you'd include yourself in that category. What one thing that I'm interested in is is kind of the the there's moments, right, where you're taking the plunge, like the the confidence to actually okay, I've I've got a site but actually doing it, right? Can we talk a little bit about kind of pulling the trigger and then and then kind of Biggest lessons learned, tips for young young investors out there? Yeah, I mean, the, at a high level, what I would say is just get started somewhere. So like just 
just do it. <laughs> I guess in the way that Nike would put it, just try to get started at least somewhere. Like my first performer was a piece of crap. It was like totally wrong. If I ever bought a property with that first performer that I built from scratch, I would have already been bankrupt before I even started. So, but I, at least I started there and I started building it and then I got access to maybe other performers and I started tweaking it out. Now it works. So, and that for developers is very, very important. So whatever that document or that is for you, whatever that business plan is for you for developer performance, your business case. So if, if it's an investor, I'm sure it's something similar or whatever industry you're in, but at least just get started. And then the other thing was before you actually pull the trigger and actually spend your own money uh, or some serious money, just have at least one or two people just look over it. <laughs> and so it sounds really basic, but have them scrutinize it because at least in development and with any, I think, business adventure, you get very emotionally involved. And there's a couple of deals that I really, really wanted. And then I just pitched it to a couple of people that I knew. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, this is, you do not want to touch this deal. Like, look at these numbers. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then you, you, just, you get pulled out of the whole emotional aspect about it. And then you realize, well, I'm really glad that they told me that. And so, but first get started and then like do whatever you can without spending money. Like doesn't, at least in development, doesn't, doesn't cost you anything to submit an offer. You know, it costs you money to put a deposit. So maybe double check your performer or make sure you have the money before you yeah, put yeah. a deposit. The, the due diligence, the due diligence goes right, before, is pretty uh, classic. Yeah. But really, it, it, in my opinion, my experience, that, that was it. Like ha having mentors like anyone would in any prudent industry and but also just, just get started there. There was, um, I had a few people that I also highly respect, but a few people that told me maybe just start with a, a duplex, which also probably would have been just fine, but nothing really excited me for some reason about developing a duplex. I want to do something a bit more multifamily. And so there was, you know, also maybe tuning out some of the things that you are, that you fundamentally maybe aren't excited about, but there will be, I think, advice from, from mentors as well, maybe that you might just have to you take with a great assault, uh, very respectfully. But yeah, there's some advice that I also thankfully received, but I realized after thinking about it, um, maybe didn't didn't apply to me, whether it was like, oh, maybe you should start in, start in Langley with nothing against Langley, but it was just something that wasn't really for me. I wanted to be able to run and walk and bike by the sites that I had. And so Langley wasn't for me, but that would be a great place to develop. You can do a really quick rezoning there as well. But uh, so there's lots of advice that also came my way, which I'm thankful for, but you you kind of have to um, just process it yourself and see what's best for you, for you. It's just thinking about, you know, we've talked a little bit about building your team. Maybe the idea of, of mentors kind of speaking to that. It, it, was your strategy there to, to kind of talk to as many people as possible or, or are you, you know, identifying, okay, a few people in your network or maybe outside of your network that you really respect and kind of really trying to learn the craft from, from somebody who's kind of been around the block a few times. Yeah. It was someone that was in my network. He also, um, you know, had a few developments close by. So, and he also had quite a bit of experience, so he knew what he was doing, but having that previous relationship was, was very helpful. I think gave him uh, the opportunity just to, uh, you know, maybe call me on a couple of things and not to, not to sugarcoat anything. And so that was having that kind of personal previous relationship was, was helpful. So Hans, like, I'm just thinking about, you know, in terms of coming from a family involved in, in real estate and, and you could go a lot of different directions as an investor in real estate, why development? And then can you talk about maybe your investment philosophy overall? Yeah. I mean, why development? It, it's, um, development really played to my strong suits and kind of my upbringing and being in the building industry, which is just one part of real estate. I didn't have as much of the actual, like, kind of real estate fundamentals in terms of, you know, the the business and the economic and the finance side. But that was something that I learned. But in terms of like the building side, I, I had enough there. And so that's kind of why I started in development. And in terms of philosophy, you know, it was if my strong suit and my characteristics and, you know, already played to those strong suits, then it just made sense to continue in that instead of you know, taking a flyer on Bitcoin when I don't know anything about Bitcoin. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so it was, it was more of like investing in things that I knew about. I mean, it sounds kind of simple, but like I wasn't too attracted about, you know, the, the returns that you could make in, you know, even in the stock market, to be honest, I know there's returns to be made there, but I don't have time to spend eight hours a day researching different stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Right. And so um, I'd rather personally research more time on land use policy, which sounds super boring to lots of people, but that's kind of what gets me excited or seeing what, you know, land's trading for or where building costs are at or 
what towns are, are selling for. So it was more just my investment philosophy was like, whatever you know best, whatever you have time to, what gets you excited? Not necessarily, I'm sure if I spent the same amount of hours, maybe in the stock market or maybe in uh, Bitcoin or NFTs or whatever you have, you know, maybe it would have made more money. I don't know, but it's just not where my strong suits are. So right. I'll leave the experts to do that. <laughs> and it sounds like from actually thinking about like, you know, because there's other ways like buy and hold investment properties, right? Like actually, it sounds like we have some guests coming up that you know as well, you know, who are acquiring doors from Vancouver, acquiring tons of doors on the East Coast. But it sounds like it's that kind of actually taking something from the ground up and building it that gets you excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm fortunate that my my business passions align with, I guess, my investment passions. Lots of people aren't uh, don't have that type of alignment, like you said, like they have a, a day job, you know, you know, either as a shift worker or or whatever you have. And then on the side, you know, then the classic side hustle, they have their investment portfolio, right. uh, which is obviously very common. I'm yeah, I'm just very fortunate that it there's a, there's an alignment there um, that my investment is my is my business, and so I'm I'm thankful for that. But uh, it's definitely I think development also requires like it's a full time job. It's uh, now also being on my own. You know, if I'm wearing like eight different hats, you know, they're all almost like full time hats. You know, and so uh, there's only so many hours in the day that uh, you can spend working on you may your investment portfolio or or your business. And so you know, it's uh, well, obviously with the family with two kids, I have other priorities that. I take up my time outside of work. And so it wouldn't make sense to, uh, you know, dabble in something else right now. Where do you see this going? Like what, what is the goal for, for Fastmark? Yeah. I mean, still being a super small development company, you know, financial partners and bank financing are, is kind of the way to go. Like the GPLP structure I mentioned before is kind of, kind of the way to go for, for the foreseeable future. And so it's building that network of financial partners you know, that are willing to partner with me on projects moving forward. And so, but it really hinges on me because they're not going to find me a deal. They're expecting me to, and waiting on me to, to bring them a deal to, to keep moving forward because right. there's lots of capital on the sidelines that's, that's waiting, especially with, with COVID people are having not spent too much, but you know, there's lots of capital on the sidelines that's waiting to be deployed in Vancouver real estate, which is historically proven to be a somewhat of a bomb proof in, investment right. <laughs> uh, or at least it gets lots of people excited. And so where I'd like to go, I mean, yeah, it kind of hinges on me. I'm, I'm looking for more uh, for more properties to tie up. I mean, also being a young company, trying to mitigate the risk of, you know, that's out there with real estate development. I just, I'm just kind of sticking to Vancouver right now, can be quarter kind of specifically, maybe in maybe in East Vancouver a little bit if uh, some sites come up. But really it, the, the the policy and where my company is at, it's... Um, it really lends itself just to kind of keep doing small projects and kind of build a track record. And the first three projects really establish, I think, you know, the name of a company and kind of set the standard. And so I want to make sure the first few projects are are home runs and do well from multiple standpoints, from, you know, a financial standpoint, from a building and development standpoint as well. And so, you know, for the next few years, honestly, I just foresee myself just kind of doing similar sized, you know, six unit kind of boutique projects here and there, maybe maybe ramp it up to eight or nine, <laughs> who knows, we'll see. But uh, long-term, I would love to do larger projects for sure. I just, um, right now, um, I kind of just have a five-year plan with these kind of smaller projects for now. Right. Can we talk a little bit about these projects? Especially, you know, I'd love to talk a little bit about Nora, but Bo is mass timber and that's somewhat unique. So it's interesting in, in terms of um, the confidence, right? It's, it's all right. I'm moving forward and I'm doing something that a lot of people aren't doing. Can you talk a little bit about mass timber, why you went that way, how it works and and the benefits of, of this mass timber project that will be bow along the Canby corridor? Yeah. Yeah. I get really excited about mass timber and anyone that knows me is probably laughing right now because <laughs> <laughs> you probably heard uh, me uh, talk their ears off about CLT and mass timber a lot. And so thanks for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> They'll probably uh, turn the podcast off yeah, right so, now. <laughs> so if, if you actually know hands, this is the time to pause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, no, I mean, it's really exciting from multiple standpoints. First of all, like you know, I grew up with a father with a structural engineering firm that was known actually around the world for mass timber projects for in the institutional space. And it's slowly a mass timber is making waves in the residential space. And so first and foremost, I just wanted to build like a better townhouse. There's lots of same, same in the townhouse industry. And so I figured, you know what, this boat project, it's kind of row house style. It's not stacked. 
and it's a rectangular building. And so it really lent itself to using CLT, which stands for cross laminated timber, which is essentially wood on steroids, which is like the way I like to explain it. But it had never been done before. As far as I know, it's never been done before in Vancouver. It's been done, I know, by Adira, where I used to work at in in, um, in Coquitlam on, on some townhouse projects there. But to have exposed uh, mass timber has never been done before, as far as I know, you know, as far as my Google search goes in, in Canada and North America. I'm not going to go quite as far as to say the world, but uh, it's definitely a very new product here uh, locally, and um, but something I think will be very well received because it it's, it's a higher end product. It's it's more uh, fire resistant. It's better in earthquakes, and Vancouver is a high seismic zone, and it's also uh, sequesters more carbon compared to compared to concrete as well. Uh, it goes up quicker, and it's so it's quieter in the neighborhood. You know when you're going through construction, and so plus it provides a very cool interior aesthetic when you have exposed mass timber. So it's a Suppose wood ceiling, but it's um it's a very refined ceiling. Just imagine like a concrete wood, or sorry, like a wood slab that will be have a nice finished stain on it. It's, in fact, I realized um like Bosa's fifteen fifteen project is being marketed with with wood paneled ceilings. It's not real wood, but it's a wood looking ceiling as long, right. along with I think uh, the sanctuary in, in Horseshoe Bay by West Bank also. Right. So it's become. I think known a wood looking, you know, ceiling is something to be, uh, you know, that can be marketed and hopefully will uh, received in the marketplace. So, so something very excited about to uh, provide for Nora, that one being a stacked townhouse project. Uh, it didn't lend itself with the stacked arrangement of the units with having, you know, units on top of each other, just from a code standpoint and from a construction feasibility standpoint and sound attenuation standpoint, it didn't quite make as much sense to do it there. But because Bo is just row house style, no stacked units, it was quite simple just to, to so put it Nora is more conventional wood frame. Yeah, Nora's conventional wood frame. It's four stacked units on the front, and then it's like a it's like a duplex stack or duplex on the back, on a mid block on the other side of Canby. And this is, that's on the west side of Canada. Correct. That's on the west side. It's uh, close to Willow and, uh, yeah, it's Willow and 26. So it's literally right in, right in between Canby and Oak. Okay. And then, the, and Bo is, is to the east. Correct. So Bo is on Columbia and West 26th. So just one block south of King Edward and uh, a couple blocks east of Canby, close to, close to Hillcrest. Does the, does the mass timber, does it add to the building cost? Yeah, there definitely is a premium for using mass timber, but we believe the premium is is worthwhile, and so just we're delivering a better townhouse product uh, by using by using CLT. There are some cost savings, but with the, such small scale the project is at, with only six units, call it nine thousand gross buildable square feet, you don't really capture the economies of scale that you could with that you see with larger like institutional projects that are doing like millions of square feet of mass timber where you can have like months of time savings. Whereas this project, we might save, you know, maybe eight hours of framing. <laughs> so it's right. not, not, not going to move the needle. The, the hard like cost of just the, of the material will be higher. But once again, for, for such a small project, it's definitely not going to break the bank or else we wouldn't have done it. And so it's just something that I was willing to, uh, to kind of just bite the bullet on and, and do it. Cause we think it's, uh, it's just a better townhouse. So I'm thinking like clearly you know a lot about like CLT and uh, and mass timber, but there seems to be an edu- education process for the consumer, for the end user who's purchasing the product. So how has that influenced the way you're going to be marketing the project? Or, you know, have you thought about, you know, there's some teaching that that's required with this one? Yeah, there's definitely a huge educational aspect with, you know, building with CLT you know, we're just gonna we're gonna do our best in the in the presentation center that we have to bring. We'll have actual wood samples of what a, a CLT panel looks like. We'll have just different marketing and educational materials. I'm sure with anyone that's interested in in buying at Bo, they'll probably do their own research as well. And there's plenty of materials online. There's excellent suppliers here locally as well that supply it. There's tons of information online about it, but we'll also be doing our very best to make sure it's clear and understood, like what the what the buyer is getting with with buying a CLT townhouse. And just just so I'm clear, and and I guess some of the listeners out there, aesthetically, like you mentioned, fifteen fifteen and the kind of wood panel ceiling is that like the exposed mass timber is is that where it's exposed? Is exactly yeah. So if you're and it's just going to be on the main floor. So when you walk in your front entrance. 
and you're in your living, your dining room or your, your kitchen and, and you look up to your ceiling instead of ceiling, instead of seeing like a dropped drywall suspended ceiling, you're going to see mass timber. So you're going to see like a wood ceiling and that's the actual structure. And so some people might be wondering, well, where are your pilots going to go? Where's your plumbing? Where's your HVAC uh, right. going to go? And so we've coordinated all that so that the plumbing from above and the HVAC ducts will go in a bulkhead on off to the side. And so there will be a mini drop, but it will be this pretty much a similar size bulkhead, what you might see in a typical condo anyways, just along the side of the unit, which is where the HVAC will, will come and which is where the plumbing will also run. And then the potlets can actually be recessed into the CLT panel. And so, really, yeah, when you look up, if you're in your a room right now, when you look up and you see drywall, lately that's going to be a CLT, like wood looking layer. It's not, yeah, exactly. It's a, well, so it's a layer on top of the, or sealed to the structure? The CLT is the structure of the floor. So instead of like in conventional wood frame building, you'd have a joist floor with like two by tens on edge uh, that gets replaced with like a thick wood slab. Essentially, like if you're in a concrete building and you see, you know, a concrete exposed concrete ceiling, it's like you're just going to see an exposed wood ceiling, but it's, it makes up the structure of the, of the floor assembly. Wow. And it's, it'll be a, a five ply wooden slab, which is about six inches thick. So, so there's a lot to like about mass timber construction, obviously, and you kind of highlighted all those. I'm just thinking about, you know, carbon capture the city of Vancouver must uh, they like be, ex- be excited about. They like capturing carbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you talk about their, how how? I, then this kind of goes into a question about how that impacts the development with this, potentially with the city and and how you've navigated the city because you know I've never met anyone who who's found it easy at least at you know even after years and years of dealing with them, right? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, like I said earlier about just having a good team, like we have an exceptional structural engineering firm, you know, with fast step with that <laughs> sense of experience. I'm just going to pump their tires for a second. Yeah. <laughs> they can thank me later. But yeah, they, they obviously have plenty of experience, even in the city of Vancouver using mass timber. So, because really it's, you know, they're the ones, they're the engineers, they're signing and sealing the drawings and really take on the liability for the structural design. And so along with my other, consultants. And so really, um, you know, the city is going to see me, but they're going to see the, you know, the consultant team that I have behind me. And so that's, that's kind of the, the game changer really. And so, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the, the city's response is to the mass timber. I think they will be positively yeah, surprised that we're, they're, we're doing it yeah, because it is quite unique, but that's a quest to more carbon definitely than a concrete building. And because it's, like I said, it's wood on steroids. It also sequesters more carbon than a conventionally stick frame building but we're just doing it on the floors. And so the walls will be standard. It would have been overkill to do CLT for the for the walls and for the roof as well. So it's just going to be the kind of the floor structure above the main level and the second level that we use it. That's awesome. Maybe shifting gears a little bit, you know, you often hear people say that you're the the average of your five closest friends. You being in your family, you've got a lot of people and wisdom to draw on. What, what would be your advice for people that maybe don't have those channels or connections or just that that knowledge in their sphere. And I'm thinking specifically about young people that listen to this show that want to get their start in real estate and they're looking at you and saying, good Lord, I have a long way to go before I'm 28. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm already 28 and I'm still in university. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be your advice to, to young people looking to, to be hands at uh, 28? <laughs> Honestly, just just getting out there. Like I think sometimes people view networking kind of as a as a cheesy thing, or people that want to you know just look out for themselves and maybe are selfish for some for some weird reason. But really, I think networking is crucial. And so I've met so many wonderful people that have given me fantastic advice just through kind of you know either adding them on LinkedIn or just you know maybe just cold calling them or going up to their office. Or there's plenty of networking events. I feel like in Vancouver, especially in the real estate industry, and Lots of people like to chat about what they're up to. And so well, there would just be really simple advice. It always feels kind of kind of awkward, but it's, uh, it will pay off in the long run. So that's just one simple piece of advice that I could recommend to anyone. And um, don't be don't be scared to ask stupid questions. I, I still ask stupid questions and will for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, just yeah, not being afraid to, to do that and, and get out there. So maybe as a, as a final question, I'm just thinking, okay, so you're, you know, some people are saying, hey, Langley's the play. 
other other markets that you know born and bred in Vancouver live on the Canby corridor you know that kind of deep local knowledge of kind of street by street along you know uh, in in that area it sounds like that's been kind of crucial to to focusing on the Canby corridor are there other areas in the city of Vancouver specifically that you're that you're excited about yeah i mean i uh, i lived for a number of years in east vancouver as well so that gets me super excited just from a price point standpoint and i think yeah there, there's lots of room to to grow in east vancouver so east vancouver is something that really gets me excited i think there's so much character in east vancouver as well and so that's something that would that gets me super excited Mount Pleasant, I think the east side of Mount Pleasant, like getting close to Fraser Street as well, has has lots of room to grow as well. I think it's uh, it's still a difficult place for developers to do work in, just because I think there's a there's a strong contingent of people that live in Vancouver still that unfortunately don't want a lot of development to happen. Mm-hmm. Nimbyism that I'm sure has been used quite a bit on this on this podcast, unfortunately, is still there. But if you can make it work, it's it's a, it's a fantastic place to to do work in. And I mean, obviously, I'm going to be biased towards Canby Quarter as well, just because it's in the middle of Vancouver. But I have to be obviously quite frank, even as a young person myself, I see the the affordability that that the city needs to kind of uh, realize as well. And, you know, Canby Quarter is, is still going to be an expensive place to live for, you know, for the foreseeable future. And so, but for, you know, established families or maybe dual income or small families, then it, it could make a, could make sense. But yeah, I would say those two places are kind of what get me excited. Uh, that's great. So Hans, we do have this segment called the Five Wire, five lighthearted questions to end the show. Can you stick around for that? Absolutely. Okay. So question number one is what is something you're binge watching right now or a favorite movie you've seen recently? So I've impatiently been waiting for Drive to Survive season four to come out from the previous F1 season oh, on, right. on Netflix. And so I think that launches March 11th. So I've been very impatient about nice. waiting for that to come out. So, uh, but, so other than that, I'm a big sports documentary guy, so whatever the zone I watch on the Dizone app, whatever sports documentary they have on there, yeah, I've been watching. Wait a oh, second, this awesome. is on the Disney app. It's on Netflix. Yeah, uh, it could be on the Disney app. I don't. Oh know, wait, but... wait, no, no, sorry, I'm wondering about the the Dizone. No, oh, that's Dizone. that's its Dizone own app. Is its own app. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, much can I you call yourself a sports documentary watcher? I know. I was going to say, because I'm also a big <laughs> you're, you're, fan. You're, also you're like, big, no, you're not. You don't know anything about it. Big on NASCAR. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Amazon. I'm, I've been focused on a couple. Uh, they have some pretty good uh, is documentaries. Is, that's, it's, a, it's a worthwhile app to get. If you like Premier League soccer, if you like boxing, if you like NFL, what else do they have on there? Those are the ones that I watch at least. The zones your place to be. I've got so many like eighteen dollars a month. I I, I subscription. Going to say that would be like my ninetieth uh, if I get that. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing I'm just thinking is, man, you have two kids, two prod, two development projects going on. It's like time for uh, NFL. You're doing something right. The highlights. I have to have read about highlights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Song you have on repeat uh, recently? Recently. Um, my daughter and I, when I come home from work, we love to uh, we love to dance to a Coldplay song called "Up and Up," and it's just something that resonated with me as I've been going through this process, you know, starting a business and you know moving forward and growth, and and she loves it too. So we like to, to dance to "Up and Up" by Coldplay uh, during the evenings. It's a great one, right on. Just not Baby Shark, please. Um, <laughs> what is uh, what's one book that you recommend for all of our listeners? Right now, uh, next to my bed. Uh, to, next to my bed, call me a real estate geek, but I actually have Michael Adane's memoir called A Man in His Time. And so I've been flipping through that book. It's been super interesting. If you want to uh, know more about Michael Adane, who's one of the most successful home builders in BC history, I'd say. Very interesting read. Actually, only a small portion is about Polygon, but still a very interesting man, a very respectable man in the local industry. Um, another book that's non-real estate related that I really enjoyed was Born to Run by Christopher McDougall, which is just a great story. If you just want a story and kind of escape, it's about this uh, this native tribe with super athletes about this crazy run that they that they do, this ultra marathon run. Wow. Um, so it just take, kind of takes you away if you like kind of like running or sports, just Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. I, was I that, recommend. where's the, the, where are they located? Northern Mexico. It's like this hidden tribe, in Northern Mexico. There is a movie, okay, and this is, I, I feel like we might have talked about it on the podcast. I, it's, uh, 
it's about a group of runners out of Texas close to the border and how they kind of come out and dominate and, you know, they're like fruit pickers. So it's interesting. Anyway. I'm actually thinking of... Uh, actually, I'll, I'll look for the name, but I think Kevin Costner's the coach. Oh, interesting. I think this is how we got on oh, our big you... Yellowstone kick. I know, I've talked about this we, show. It's a Disney... I watched it with my daughter on Disney and it was it was good, but it, it almost, it was like these guys had kind of the supernatural ability to do long distance running. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Sounds great. I was, I'm actually just Googling it right now, but I was, there's You're another a big Kevin book Costner that's, fan. um, by, I think Dean Carnazes or Carnazes. Uh, he's an ultra marathon runner, but he writes a book about, apparently he did like the Athenian run or there's this run from like, it's like a, what the Spartans used to do. And he does it, he did it in like full fight, uh, whatever gear. And he runs like, I don't know, 150 miles in full like Spartan gear. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I read it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, one piece of advice you'd give your 18 year old self. Probably what I said earlier, to be honest, just get started. Don't be afraid to ask stupid questions. Um, and that would put yourself out there, I guess. But yeah. Put yourself out there just before you pull the trigger, just ask someone smarter than you if you're on the right path. Right. Awesome. And and last but not least, what is something under $1,500 that you've purchased recently that's had a positive impact on your life? I recently bought a commuter bike and uh, that has made a big difference just to my, when I go and come into the office and when I come back home, it's kind of just a nice little workout on my way and I don't really sweat too much on the way in or on the way home. So it's been a great refresher just to get started on the day and to kind of decompress at the end of the day. I, I feel like traveling around the city by bike for people that are real estate obsessed is so inspiring. Do you feel like it, do you know Richard more? Whitstock yeah, is, yeah, a, is a big biker? Like on, on the business kind of deal finding standpoint, like sometimes realtors would put up signs before it even hits MLS or you just see like, you know, what's happening. Maybe you see like, you know, a distressed house that you figured, you know, maybe this guy wants to sell. So, but you don't really get that just from looking online on Google maps. Right. Yeah. So, plus, or, or driving or even driving. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like, you know, Biking is kind of a nice pace where you're not going too fast. At least I don't go too fast, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, but you're not going too slow where you don't, you know, not seeing anything. So I figure also from like, even like an architectural building design standpoint, just driving by, you see how they did certain details or what they're, you know, how they design their, their windows or their, or the balconies or just overall massing. It's yeah. kind of, you can get it's inspiration from that. Totally. Yeah. I feel like it, you, it's the, you, you notice more when you're walking or you're, or you're cycling. And I mean, where we all kind of live and operate, we're all kind of in the Canby, like Mount Pleasant West Canby corridor. And, uh, there's lots to notice, right? Just, yeah. <laughs> just I mean, even like, I even get inspired, like I'll bike down Canby and then I'll go down Yukon and just going down even like the neighborhood street, seeing like the old, you know, character homes in Vancouver, you can get inspiration for that as well. Just you know, just maybe old type of cedar shake that they used or, you know, right. who knows, like the roof pitches or that they use, you know, get, get inspiration from anything or the landscaping or, so yeah, there's, uh, it's, it's been fantastic. Right on. I feel like we've talked about a lot on the show, uh, aspiring to bike more and, uh, our business is challenging. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's great. How can people find out more hands about Nora, Bo, and what you're doing at Fastmark? Yeah, if uh, people want to learn more about Nora, they can register online at live at nora.ca, and that's N-O-R-A. Or for Bo, they can register at live at bo.ca, that's B-E-A-U, and for fastmark, fastmark.ca. Fantastic. It's cool that your kids are going to be able to walk by buildings named after them in the future as well. Try not to spoil my kids too much. Uh, my daughter's not getting any birthday presents this year. <laughs> She's getting renderings of, of the <laughs> Right on. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming in. It was a great talk. Thanks, guys. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Hans Fast, founder and principal over at Fast Development Company. Really enjoyed that conversation with Hans, Matt. Always exciting to have somebody uh, like Hans in the studio. And again, I mean, I know I, I said so at, at the beginning, but the guy's making moves. Uh, he's still a very young man and uh, exciting future ahead of him for sure. Absolutely. And I, say that, I say that as someone who's uh, in the middle of their life. Yes. Yes. 
You are in the middle of your life. I yeah, <laughs> I hit that middle of my life, and and you will know that by my uh, my hairline and your musk. <laughs> Would you say musk? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, but uh, but we should say yeah. The two projects again, Nora and Bo. Registrations are open for those. They won't be hard to find. So definitely check those out. And Adam, there's a couple things that we didn't touch on. One, the stats came out this morning. Another busy month. Inventory is ticking up a little bit, but we also had that quarter point interest rate increase this morning. This is Wednesday we're talking, Wednesday morning from the Bank of Canada. What do you think that does to the market? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I don't think it's going to be the interest rate that changes things this time around with the quarter point increase. I think realistically, the market's been spotty now for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about certain properties getting skunked that would have had multiple offers. So properties not getting the response that they were expecting. Yeah, I feel like a little bit of the momentum is kind of, depending on what we're talking about, property type areas, but generally speaking, I'd say a little bit of the crazy momentum is dissipating from the market. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's strange to even say that because when I think about it, you know, we got a subject-free offer on a property listed this morning that you dealt with. Yesterday, I was dealing with six offers on another one of our listings we were representing buyers on a few after this past weekend. So, you know, it's again, and I, you know, I hate to keep saying this, but this idea of, you know, going 180, 180 miles an hour on the highway and you reduce speed to, you know, 140 or 150 and you're still going fast, but it feels completely different. And I think we are kind of transitioning out of that, you know, ridiculously hot market into something that's slightly different. And I think, I think what's happening right now is everybody's trying to make sense of what that something different is. It's definitely not a soft market. It's definitely not a slow market. It's still a very, very active market. It's just not the same as it was, say, three or four weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else do we have before we go? VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. All the write-ups from our past episodes. We've got the live wire. The stats came out this morning. February stats, those along with some sales ratios went out to the live wire members this morning already. We also have private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free, available at your fingertips on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. You can check it out there. It is the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver. we got a ton of people monitoring the market with this tool. So you can just go sign up. We will set you up with your own free account. And uh, trust us, this is the best way to look for real estate in Vancouver. There's no doubt about that. If you want to talk about that or anything else, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line live from Kokomo Studios, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. All right. We'll have a great week, guys, and a fantastic episode. We've got another great one coming up next week. And uh, I'm actually heading to Hawaii next week, Matt, at the end of next week. So we'll have some episodes lined up there, but maybe I will be reporting live from legit Kokomo. Okay, well, we'll stay tuned. Have a great week, everyone. Talk soon. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.